talk about a tough menu if a Norwegian restaurant, yeah. iceberg salad, you just go ice cream. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to have Norwegian food, just yeah. ice cream. Right? We don't overtly lettuce. talk about icebergs on board ships. That's just not allowed. <laughs> good, call. good call on that. Keep it, keep it in the Caribbean, please. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast. And we couldn't be more excited to have two of our favorite Disney podcasters out there, Derek and Doug from Rope Drop Radio, joining us this evening. Welcome, Derek. Welcome, Doug. Hey, thank you guys so much for having us. Yeah, I'm excited to chat. Yeah, us too. Well, you are two of our favorite podcasters and theme park experts out there, so we love having you on the show. We know you've been on before, but you're buried in the backlog catalog for our show, so we've got some new listeners out there. So I thought I would briefly stick to our normal routine and ask you guys about your Disney background. So Derek, why don't we start with you? You want to give a kind of an abbreviated version of your Disney background? And I'll also say, I know you joined DVC recently, correct, at the Riviera? So welcome welcome home neighbor, I think is the, the way oh, to greet thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I We'll be at the Riviera. Maybe when this show comes out, we'll be there in a week. So excited for that. But I've been a Disney junkie my whole life, whether it be growing up watching Disney's one Saturday morning or going to the parks with my parents. Like I knew Disney was going to be a part of my life. And I got a degree in film and broadcasting to be a part of that and still do it to this day. And then excited that I get to do a podcast with my boy Doug over here and uh, Rope Drop Radio is almost five years now, which is crazy. And uh, yeah, I I love going to the parks and pretty much live, breathe all things Disney. Doug, what about you? Talk, talk to us about your Disney background quickly. Yeah, so fairly similar background. At first trip in kindergarten, fell in love with the Imagineering side of things. And Epcot was my favorite park from then on for quite a while. And lots of trips as a kid and... um Got married to somebody that was a bigger Disney fan than I was. <laughs> Surprise. I didn't know that was a thing. But uh, so our love for Disney has grown as Michelle and I have, you know, had kids, raised them in Disney. We go very regularly, I think is the easiest way to say it. Really love the Imagineering, the creative side of Disney. The uh, looking at an attraction, like, how did they do that? That's fascinated me as a child through now. Like, go through Tower of Terror, for example, where they have the ghosts show up. Learning how that was done after the first time I went back on, on that back in 1990. That's the side of Disney that got me captured. And then, of course, now doing a podcast, having an outlet to talk about it once a week, getting to meet great other people in the Disney community has become my favorite thing. So that is, uh, there's my background. See, Doug, I love that you're, Doug's the guy who likes, wants to know how the, the things are made and done. And I'm the guy that just wants to experience them. So we're a good, good mix <laughs> right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Doug, I know you've been down at the parks recently. In fact, you were there during what would be peak Christmas season, I think. So I wanted to start off by chatting with you about what was it like? What was it like in the parks? Well, first of all, it was great just to get away. I needed a mental vacation from work more than I can say. So that that was phenomenal just to escape my every day. So that that being said, it was Christmas week, which you used peak. And I think peak has to definitely be in quotations like air quotes because we were there over New Year's. So we went right after Christmas last year through New Year's. This year we were there over Christmas up until New Year's. And to compare the two crowds, New Year's time last year, we went to the December 30th, 6 p.m. fireworks 
where if you fell over, you wouldn't fall because you do humanity. So this time around at Christmas time, Christmas Day in the Magic Kingdom is supposed to be one of the busiest days of the year. I could have laid down on the cement and fantasy land between Small World and Peter Pan. Wow. That's the busiest corridor. Now, someone would have walked around me eventually and wonder what's this weirdo doing, but I could have, right? The there's empty cement, like in other areas, I could, if I was patient, I could get a picture of things with no people. And this is the busiest week of the year. So they were still enforcing their capacity for sure. hundred percent still enforcing that capacity. They had added some ride capacity back with more plexiglass in between rows. So that was good because it made some lines like frozen ever after very short, 10 to 30 minutes throughout most of the day. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, because you have the limited crowd, but they've bumped the capacity of the ride back up. Same thing with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. You don't need to rope drop that. Rope drop Rockin' or Slinky or Smuggler's Run. Do not rope drop Mickey and Minnie's because they've added plexiglass between every row. And those rides aren't really long. So you're not with those people for more than 10 minutes. There's plexiglass barriers. So even if their masks were to slip below their nose, they're not going to breathe directly on you. The boat's also moving, that sort of stuff. So still feel very safe, even with the capacity there. One of the big things, we went in September, Derek and I did. And then uh, my wife had been twice between September and December. Mask compliance has been phenomenal. At Disney. When we go out and about in our community, masks are like a question mark. When you say, I don't even I don't know the best word to describe it, Derek, of masks around where we live. Not enforced. It's it's a suggestion. It's like an idea that the East and West Coast are doing that maybe we should try to be like them. <laughs> so mass compliance over Christmas, you didn't have any of the locals. They were not in the parks because one, they're just trained to avoid Christmas week, right? And local annual passes, if you don't have the premier annual pass, you're blocked out. So you had more tourists and the tourists had to be reminded a little more often than I think the locals were that the mask actually does need to cover your nose. And it just seemed like the first couple of days we saw more noses than we did on our September trip. But then I don't do the real thrill rides because um, motion sickness. So I sat there and I started just seeing how many noses I could count. And when I counted, we're talking 95 to 99% compliance rate, which is really good. Statistically, if 80% of America wore a 60% effective mask, the pandemic would be over. Been saying that since March, but we evidently can't read. So <laughs> been watching. I did some counting while I sat on like Sunset Boulevard by Rockin' and Tower of Terror and some other places. Uh, Tomorrowland was one where I really, I was actively counting for 10 minutes and it was above 95%. But the stats of the people that like to get in line behind me to drive me mentally insane was much lower. I don't know why. Like one lady in a scooter thought since she was in a scooter, she evidently didn't need it because she was sitting down. I don't know. She argued with a cast member, but I'm sitting. What does that have to do with wearing a mask? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, lady. But uh, it's still mask compliance is phenomenal. And I think once the locals are back in there, you get rid of the little Christmas tourists. I don't count myself as a tourist because we're there like, I mean, my wife has been there every month. So is that still a tourist at that point? I don't, (laughs) it's work. So, you know, but it was great. You've gone in years past in a similar period of time, Doug. I'm curious, you know, anything that you missed? 
Candlelight Processional, I think, would be the biggest thing missing for me. That is a show at Epcot that they have a celebrity narrator. 2019 saw Neil Patrick Harris do it. Like oh, that level cool. of celebrity, right? And it's a great thing. You have to get your reservation like basically the day they open for somebody like Neil Patrick Harris. But that was a big missing thing. However, in that same theater in America, they did have Voices of Liberty performing a set on the big stage with the whole theater and very spaced out. So that was an, a good supplement or replacement. Nothing like candlelight processional fireworks. I like fireworks, but I really don't like people. So yeah, you know, did I miss fireworks? Yes. Did I miss the process of fireworks? No. Would I have booked a dessert package for fireworks if fireworks had happened? Absolutely. Cause that's how I feel fireworks are meant to be viewed by with a full belly and plenty of space. <laughs> but it was a great trip. We had lots of fun, lots of family time and, and really a good time. How are the restaurants? Uh, it, more of them are open now, right? Than, than from when you were there in September, but likely not all, not everything yet. Yeah, yeah right. not everything yet. Menus are still limited. Uh, and it seems like they only pick my wife's favorite dish to eliminate from a restaurant. <laughs> They, this, it's, they had one, re- you know, they send out lots of surveys, right? And it's almost like they found one of her old ones. Let's suck this lady's favorite dish and get rid of it everywhere. <laughs> I mean, back in September, Derek, I mean, Michelle almost got up and left 50s primetime, right? Yep. Wow, yeah. really? Yeah. I mean, no chicken pot pie. Pot she was pie. like, let's go. I mentioned 50s primetime for spring break and she gave me this look of why would we ever eat there again? They've wronged me. <laughs> They've wronged me. <laughs> I love that. That cracks me up. But uh, the restaurants are still very spaced out. Not all the same. I think the Magic Kingdom restaurants were not quite doing as good as the others that we went to. And like here, dining is back at 100%. Um, oh, where we are. Really? Yeah. So yep. we haven't we haven't eaten out for ages. So going to Disney where it's like maybe 30 to 40%, I would say, felt very safe. Mama Melrose was very spaced out. Uh, Chef Mickey's was uh, really nice. I hope they just continue to do it that way. They bring you the food. They sat it down. I'm like, yeah, we're going to need more Mickey waffles than that. And she's like, okay. And she brought a whole thing of Mickey waffles that we didn't Challenge even finish. Challenge accepted. Here's a hundred Here's a big tray. I love it. I mean, Chef Mickey's, the characters come by. They kind of pose off in the distance. They, they can tell when you're lining up a selfie and they pose. So I didn't have to awkwardly stand next to a character, which was phenomenal. It was great. Chef Mickey's was really good. Garden Grill, the characters walk behind you. Uh, they, they see people on the bottom ring and then put characters on the upper ring. So it's a little more awkward. They're definitely distant and the lighting is not really meant for that. So like we have some pictures of Chip and Dell where they're standing directly under the light that would normally be over the table, right? And so it looks like they have a glowing halo hat <laughs> thing on, but dining was good. The menus at those, those character meals were still the same. Derek, you got a trip coming up to the parks here. I think you said next week when we were talking before the show or at least within the next couple of weeks. So what has that been like planning and how are you feeling about that trip? This is probably the most stressful planning a trip we've ever had. It's for my wife's birthday. And then we're going over uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And so especially just my wife and I, and, and normally it'd be fine. But during a pandemic, it's hard to find childcare. And so we've this trip has been on, off, on, off. And we're keeping it on. We have some family coming into town to watch the kids. And then our neighbor, they already actually went through COVID and are in the back end. So they're, they're good for at least another 60 days. Uh, so they're going 
going to kind of watch the kids too. And so we feel good about the childcare situation. It's just my wife hasn't flown during a pandemic. So mm-hmm. we'll yeah. be wearing N95 masks. We'll be on the airplane. Uh, they don't, I, I liked in September, they got rid of the middle seat. And now, you know, they're trying to fill these planes back up. But uh, it, we do have family and friends who are concerned. And so it's been one of those questions. Do we post things on social media? And I'm like, well, I kind of have to. I'm going to for Rope Drop Radio. And so she's feeling a little nervous with with judgment and, and other people thinking negative things about us going on vacation during a pandemic. But we are really excited. We'll be staying at the Riviera for the first time. Uh, we have park passes to all four parks. Hopefully can do a little hopping in there. And uh, just really looking forward to having, just like Doug said, you got to get away. And Disney is so safe right now. And my wife and I really just need a break. And this will be really good to be able to get away. We just Once we get there, I will be fine. As soon as they say, welcome home, as I walk into the Riviera, I am great. But we have pretty much quarantined ourselves in our house, driving each other nuts. So we're in need of vacation even more. Well, that's like the vacation shaming thing is really interesting to me because if we thought this was going to be a three-month pandemic, right, or a three-month thing, and people were still trying to vacation, I could sort of understand the, hey, for the greater Mm -hmm. good, please just stop traveling and let's lock ourselves down for three months and get this thing taken care of. But it's been almost a full year and your mental health is just as important as your physical health at this point. And we all need time away from work and sitting in your house doesn't feel like a vacation no matter where you are. I understand why the Roaring Twenties happened after the Spanish flu now. I completely understand. And uh, my daughter's already making all of her post-COVID plans right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, hey, I, I tell people if you feel comfortable traveling and that's what you want to do, my line in the sand is wear a mask. But you know, that's you gotta you gotta do you right now. It's been nine months of this thing or ten months of this thing, and we all gotta we all gotta preserve our mental health a little bit. So yeah, yeah. No. Travel, travel smart and safe. There's a, a definitely nothing's guaranteed to be safe, but. Take the precautions you can. The the vacation shaming. Now you, I saw plenty of people post pictures from tropical destinations with no masks in sight. Right, that's a whole different thing than wearing masks down Main Street USA with a thirty percent capacity, thirty five percent capacity park where I could reach my hands out and not touch anyone except my annoying kids. <laughs> <laughs> And I think, you know, to your point, like everyone has to decide what they're most comfortable with. And, you know, I'm sure there are folks who are, you know, not comfortable traveling and that's okay too, you know, but everybody has to make that decision for themselves. Oh, and Sam, back to one thing you said about the buffets. I just, I can't let it go without saying you, the three, the things you don't let, you're glad the changes is, so the the overeating did not change with them bringing me food. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, darn it. It was like. Now you're not even burning calories going up to the buffet. Bring them all to you. (laughs) You just have to get the words out while your mouth is full of (laughs) pass more syrup. Well, for me, though, there's a little bit of that. I don't know. It's a, the social check on having to ask for more food. There's like a little bit of shaming that is just enough for me to maybe not ask for as much as I would if I was taking it myself. Don't worry. If we dine together, I got you covered. No shame in it. <laughs> Sounds- <laughs> when you get the bill at the character meals, you'll realize there's no shame in asking for more. Well, that's that's the. Th- I mean, it, it's that's one of the things about buffets in general. And Brian will will kind of laugh about this, but I'm one of those people that if I'm paying at a buffet, I want to get my money's yep, worth. I will eat it. I, I think the I think to hit on something that Doug said is the cost of the buffets 
like you get into that mental game of like, I got to get my money's worth here. And so if they convert them all to like sit down dining kind of experiences, and especially with the character stuff being the way it is now, like sooner or later, either things have to kind of start to return back to what they were to justify the continued cost, or they have to, I think, you know, adjust the cost to meet the new kind of experience. And it's the same with the cruise line. You have to think about what is the value proposition of the thing I'm getting today versus what it was, right? Yeah. It's also really hard to eat the amount that you spent in like chicken fingers and and like waffles. Those things are really cheap. And it's not the same as like a seafood buffet where you really actually can. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and one thing on the proposition, uh, cost, you know, risk or reward with these character meals right now is the, the price is the same. And yeah, you don't get to hug Mickey, but... It is the only place you can meet Mickey. So we did Garden Grill. We did Chef Mickey's to the character meals. And outside of those scenarios, the closest you get to Mickey is on a float in a cavalcade. Really, the price didn't change and people are like, oh, you're getting less. Why didn't the price go down? Yeah, but the value of seeing Mickey at three feet, four, five, six, seven feet away is a lot better than what it was before because you could go stand in a line and meet Mickey, including the park theme park price, right? So I great great to hear about the parks. I wanted to shift over to the 50th, which is coming up, I think, starting this October, right? We've been living in the 65th anniversary of Disneyland and... With boy, Disneyland uh, closed. <laughs> yeah, Disneyland's no. been closed the entire time. Thank God, looks like Walt Disney World will be open, knock on wood, for its 50th anniversary, which is awesome. But I kind of want to ask you guys, like, what are you looking forward to at the 50th and some of the new rides and attractions that may or may not be coming online? I think there's been some news about delays and some of this stuff. But Derek, why don't we start with you? Are you planning to go down and visit during the 50th? I assume yes. I'm hoping to be there on the 50th. Doug already has a trip booked. And so I I really want to join him. My problem is my wife's work Cancun trip is the following day. And so I'm trying to convince my wife that I fly down to Florida, do the 50th with the McKnights, and then fly from Florida to Cancun to join her and her colleagues. And so, but we have little children. So we're trying to figure out the ins and out of that. And then she kind of wants to go. And I'm so hopefully I'm down there. I'm trying to make it work. But yeah, I'm honestly, I'm. I'm looking forward to hopefully them announcing, hopefully Tron's opening up sooner than later. All the, I just wanted to have a bunch of announcements of when things are going to start moving back. When are we going to start? You know, by then I hope character interaction is is back, or at least you can meet Mickey, who has a giant mask on at all times. And so I'm just really, it's been a weird year because I would I would have a completely different conversation with that question this time last year than I am right now. And so I'm just wanting more normalcy back in the parks. Doug's like, nope. I'll take all the social distancing still forever. But uh, hopefully just by the time we get to the 50th, they're able to make some announcements. More dining is opened up and we can just have more of a, a better park time. Yeah, they've basically already told us Tron's not happening. But, uh, but will they announce when? That's that's the thing. I want to at least make a, a date. Be like, OK, it's not now, but it's March 14th of next year or something like that. That'd be great. Yeah. They haven't given us exact date. They they have said, yeah, in 2022, right? So I don't think we'll see Tron, which was supposed to be the big thing. But to be honest, they don't need to open something to draw people. Just the fact of things getting kind of lifted 
restriction wise will draw enough people this fall. They're not going to need to open something. Ratatouille already has the, uh, you know, proverbial fence of bushes out front. And when you see that in front of attraction, you know that it's literally ready to open. They're just waiting for the day. So Ratatouille should hopefully open soon, which means that's open way in advance of the 50th. So they haven't given us a date for Harmonious, but they have said some timelines, which puts Harmonious ahead of the 50th. Uh, So I don't know that anything is going to open for the 50th in particular, but I think Harmonious will be in place. I'm hoping to see, you know, Happily Ever After back about that time too. I don't know, maybe uh, 220 will open at Epcot. That would be uh, oh, that'd be great. Fantastic. That done. I just they need to just turn the key, pretty much. Yeah, it, you know, there's risk when you open a restaurant in normal times. Probably elevated risk when you're reducing the capacity to say 40, 35, 50 percent. Right. So that makes it tricky. I don't know what we'll see for the 50th. I do know I will be there at the Magic Kingdom on the day. Probably grumpy that there's too many people, but that's just- <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, where's that cement I can lay down on? It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, no, I really am looking forward to the Ratatouille ride in the Paris Pavilion. That will be or in the France Pavilion. I absolutely, Brian and I are both big Ratatouille fans, so we're we're looking forward to that. And I'll say for me, I'm looking forward to that much more than Tron, although it will be nice to have another real coaster in the Disney park. Yeah, Ratatouille is exciting. I think that really is needed in Epcot. And Guardians of the Galaxy is that's what I'm excited ways for. off. Yeah, that's what I'm more excited about, too. That's the, yeah. It was supposed to be done, but then they fired James Gunn, right, from filming Guardians 3. So that got pushed. Then they rehired James Gunn. Well, then it was too late in his schedule. And so it got pushed again. And then the pandemic hit and everything got pushed. So they haven't filmed the pre-show and the ride elements with the cast, even though it was supposed to be filmed about two years ago. Oh, wow. So, but the ride is almost done. That's the funny thing. It, it, it kind of went in reverse direction on this. Usually they get all the filming part and now the ride's more at the end of it and they're just waiting for uh, Chris Pratt to do his thing. Yeah, which will be filmed soon in Australia when they film not Guardians, but Thor Love and Thunder. Ooh. All the cast is in that. So they will be getting it filmed. Uh, the difference, though, is James Gunn did the work for well the Tower of Terror conversion to Mission Breakout, right? And he's a huge Disney fan, huge theme park fan. So it was it fit really well. Well, he's not directing Thor Love and Thunder. Taika Waititi is. So it will be interesting to see how much that might impact it because he will be filming the theme park pieces. He filmed some Mandalorian, so don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> so he's got the he's got the connection. He knows what he's doing. Have you guys heard anything about where, what the progress is on Disneyland's Avengers campus? They had a media event the week it closed. So they were to the point of doing hard hat tours. So I believe basically once the park opens, it's ready. Uh, at least the Spider-Man attraction is. But do they need to open a new attraction when they're able to open the park with limited capacity is a real question. Kind of like Ratatouille was going to open around Memorial Day. So it's just been sitting and waiting. They don't need to draw more people. So who knows? Because we haven't opened Ratatouille yet and that's been ready. So it's hard to say. But at the same time, they have a lot of Marvel shows rolling out on Disney Plus, right. that boy, it'd be really good to have a theme park counterpart, I think. Mm-hmm. Derek, have you heard anything different on that? On the 
No, you you nailed it. I mean, they they really don't need to open it up. I mean, as soon as Disneyland opens up, guys, I I, I don't even know how they keep capacity where it is. Everyone's going to want to go. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Don't need to open a new attraction until it gets up to at least 50 plus percent, 100 percent capacity. So. So one specific set of questions I had was around Epcot. You mentioned Space 2020 in your answer. Space, is it Space 2020? Yeah, Space 2020. 220, 220. Yeah, 220 miles. Yeah, nothing should carry 2020 with it any longer. Uh, <laughs> I feel for your eye doctors. I mean, that's like the best thing they had going. And now I know, it's I have ruined. 2020 vision. Now I'm like, is that a good thing? Go <laughs> <laughs> stare a little closer to a screen, Derek, and get that taken care of. I, so I play can... virtual reality. I'm sure that'll be going that do it. Time. Yeah, yeah. Next time you'll definitely need some glasses. <laughs> so, Doug, you were down there recently. You saw Epcot. It's it's construction walls. Some new things have been built. Some things have been delayed. Some things are still under construction. Some things are open. Some things are open. That's some right. Walls do you, came down. Do, do you think in during the 50th, we're actually going to see significant portions of that Epcot stuff finished? I, so by the 50th, we're talking October of 2021, right? It's just in case somebody didn't know that. I It's hard to say. Now, when people are like, it was my favorite park, but so much is closed. Let's be honest about what's closed. Interventions, which you didn't go to anyway. Electric Umbrella, which you shouldn't have eaten at anyway. Oh, I got sick just thinking about that. Sorry. Oh, we've never eaten there. Right? Mouse Gears, which is closed, but reopened in a smaller, different location. There's temporary location. Starbucks closed, which they built a new one over between Imagination and the World Showcase. So that's back. And the character spot. Right now, you can't have the character spot anyway. So let's be totally honest about Epcot was my favorite park, but now there's all these walls. I don't really know what you're missing that has ruined it, but I hear that from lots of people. So if that's you, reevaluate what you like about Epcot because it evidently was the electric umbrella. No, here's what it is, Doug. It's that they funnel you all the way to Figment right now. So but you they go into do the park. not, Derek. They, oh, they do don't not. Even... Construction walls are down. The fountain in front of Spaceship Earth is reborn like a phoenix rising out of the ugly courtyard that it was once a gravestone tour or something. <laughs> so the entrance to Epcot is now gorgeous beautiful fountain is back it's wonderful the other fountain on the back side of spaceship earth that's one other thing you're missing sorry i didn't mention that and then yes to get to some places you do funnel around there's it's not as easy to walk around you have a little bit longer walks in future world but the walls being down leading up to spaceship earth just makes it feel so much more open like it's back so that to as you come in to the right the construction area there in front of the land and the seas that's where the moana water wonderful world thing. I don't know what it's called. The Moana attraction. I think it's essentially going to be a splash pad that has signs that says do not climb because Disney likes to put do not climb signs everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) They have not told us that isn't opening by a certain date or that Mm. it is. That's one thing they've been very quiet about. I could see that opening by the by October. Mm -hmm. I think my kids, you know, the the children's zoo bias has something very similar. Probably take them, you know, a weekend to put that in. Right. There's still stuff they're tearing down, so I'm not exactly sure. So other than that, I don't think a thing's going to be open, any of the new stuff. But like, really, how much is closed? Let's reevaluate that. I think that's a really good point. I don't know. For me, 
honestly, the only thing I really like about Epcot is the World Showcase. So I feel like when we go to Epcot and I know we'll, we'll do, you know, Soren and we'll do a couple other things, but I would rather spend most of my time at Epcot at the World Showcase and being there for food and wine than spending really much time in Future World. Um, I guess, you know, like I said, te- maybe Test Track and Soren are the exceptions, but I just feel like there. Epcot doesn't have that much. And see, I think Ratatouille will definitely be open before the 50th. Harmonious will be up and going before the 50th. Uh, the Play Pavilions, one thing I didn't mention, nobody has any clue about that. They they didn't say it wouldn't be. Like they have said like Tron, Guardians won't be. But they haven't said the Play Pavilion, the Moana thing. They, they told us nothing about that. They did scrap the Mary Poppins experience, attraction, character meet, whatever they were planning for the United Kingdom Pavilion. That was officially scrapped or put on hold, which in Disney terms means scrapped. What's Dick Van Dyke, you know, did all that work for that to be scrapped? I know. He walked out onto a stage. Yep. I think they call that value engineered. Value engineered. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't. I didn't realize that that had been scrapped entirely. Did you guys have a chance to, to go to the uh, the Epcot Experience? I walked through it on the way to get to uh, La Cava. Oh uh, well, you should have watched it. It's it's phenomenal. One of the best things about what's to come is watching the thing about what's to come. Right? <laughs> Projection mapping is crazy. Yeah. They cut the they cut the Mary Poppins section. Once they took it out of that, it was like, oh, this isn't pause. This is this is done. Well, so great to hear about the 50th. I think I'm excited about it too. But let's shift gears over to our favorite topic, which is cruising, which is also shut down right now. But Disney Wish is coming out. We're seeing a few more announcements about it, you know, uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, What are you guys hoping for? You guys are, you know, you're, you're Disney cruisers too. What are you hoping to see on the Wish? I'm just wishing it would come out faster and that we could get back on a ship sooner. Yeah, for sure. I think bigger pools is a big one for for me. I want to see bigger pools. I've seen bigger pools on other ships. Let's let's get a pool that's not just kid soup, even though it will be. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bigger pools anything else i mean in terms of you've seen the theming uh looks fairly i mean we haven't seen anything but the atrium but they seem to be heading in a direction of princess theming yeah. if, if i had to guess how is that sitting with you as compared to the theming today on the dream and the fantasy for instance is very much art deco disney i'm good with it i have no problem with the princess theme as long as we get you know an avenger theme ship next there we go right? yeah. Or a Star Wars theme ship. I think I think that's what excites me about seeing like, oh, maybe they're going all in on this princess thing, which means they might go all in on Marvel, Star Wars on the next one. Now, princess theme being said, I don't think my son would have ever had any problem going on the quote unquote princess ship. He has two sisters, so he kind of is used to going with the flow. But, you know, as long as there's the tavern or something like that, you can have that be, you know, take some of the, the guys and have that be their space you know because every princess story has right like rapunzel yeah tangled has the yeah has the the, the big tavern. like just do it for real you could also see a good portion of the ship devoted to maui i think somebody on twitter was it was it you brian or was it wes yeah, wes and scott were very carefully drilling into the curio cabinet behind which oh my gosh i don't have that kind of time yeah which was showing some figurines that lined up pretty well with the outlines of moana figures including maui isn't rapunzel hanging off the back right she's off the, the back yeah she's yeah. the decoration back there i'm just excited so, to see what the 
kids clubs look like at this oh, point yeah. because yeah i mean you got i mean i've seen a full millennium falcon inside of them i've seen the avengers campus i i'm excited to see what they do slinky dog slide oh that, like, that was so cool they need they need the slide then for sure something like that and they just go so above me on for kids that's why i love cruising and so to see what they kind of do for the princess side for the girls and to see what they do for the guys uh it's just going to be incredible so i, I can't wait till we get more information about it. If, if you had one off the wall idea that you were like, I can wave a wand and this is going to appear on the ship. Derek, do you have an off the wall idea you'd love to see on the yeah, wave? I want a Maui not a wave pool. They have them at Royal Caribbean, the, the wave surfing things. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I want one of those that's kind of Maui related and I want one of those on the ship. What about you, Doug? I, I think uh, something VR, like the void experience to be oh, on the Doug, ship. You have your own Oculus now. You don't need it anymore. And of course, more basketball courts. <laughs> you don't need more right. basketball courts. That's right. Yeah, nobody needs more basketball courts. Your desire courts. For, for bigger pools is in conflict with your need for the sports deck, but I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> what about dining? Anything you guys are interested in seeing on board from a dining or a show experience or anything like that? I think that I really would love to see two new adult-themed dining. So uh, maybe a bee princess castle. I don't know, but I, I really love the adult dining experiences. And just I want them to come up with some brand new, re- maybe a third restaurant even, just things where you can get away from the the little ones and enjoy your spouse. Absolutely. Yeah, a third adult dining would be uh, really good. And something along the lines of Palo as far as level of dining. It doesn't need to be another Remy, just something more. You make it steakhouse themed. And then when you go with extended family that doesn't ever cruise, like when they look at the menu at Palo, they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like anything there. And it's like they look at them like, well, then don't look at the regular dining menus because you're still not going to know what to order other than the lighter fare steak. You know, if they did an adult dining that was themed like Steakhouse, Mm -hmm. you know, give it a nicer name than Steakhouse, of course. Right. But then you could trick all those people that don't think they like sophisticated dining into sophisticated dining. I think you're right about that because there's only going to be a very small number of people who are going to do like the Remy dining. But there are probably a lot more people who would do like the Apollo level dining if they did something a little bit more mainstream like a Steakhouse. Whereas like Brian and I want like a crazy sushi restaurant, (laughs) but they'll never do that. (laughs) Oh, that would be great. If they did a crazy sushi restaurant, that would need to replace Remy. I think what they do well with adult dining right now is they balance out. Here is a upscale experience at a lower cost that meets a broad palate. Mm -hmm. Palo, Italian food. Mm -hmm. Great. That's amazing. And then for those of you who really are into fine dining, Victoria and Albert's, you know, guests, here's Remy. Very small restaurant, intimate, much more expensive. I do echo, I really hope they do something different, right? I, I would hate to just have yet a third sh- a third large ship with Palo and Remy, right? Like that just doesn't, it, it, how are you differentiating these ships now and the experiences? Why would I go on this ship as opposed to others? If we're talking carbon copy and the different ships, let's talk about the main dining because they have different names yes. between the, the ships, but it's the same food. Right. I know one night I'm going to get the sea bass, regardless yes. of which of the four ships. Right. Well, it's That's like something in, I'm never ordering. OK, the, got it. And, no, the Enchanted Garden. It's on two ships. It's the the sea bass is the same. But you go to Tiana's place. It's the sea bass is still there, but the sauce is different. You go to Rapunzel's. The sea bass is there, but the sauce is different. It's essentially the same menu for the three restaurants. Right. You know, the main French 
restaurant. It's the exact same menu from all four ships. We have different names, but it's the same menu. So I, I get why they do it because then it's easy to move crew from ship to ship to ship with minimal retraining. I could see the carbon copy, but are we just going to get different names like we have now and we change one sauce? No, I, I agree with you, though. I, I want one other thing I'm hoping for in main dining, in addition to, you know, different food is some different theming, some different IP than what's in the current main dining restaurants and some new technology. I would be so excited if we got on this ship and there was it, it it's like there's no skyline, but there's something like it. Mm-hmm. I'd also be super excited to get on this ship and you know, this will be controversial. Send hate mail to dclduo at gmail.com. Um <laughs> I actually hope there's there Yeah. <laughs> I actually hope there's not an animator's palette on this ship. They've got no, four yeah, of them. Yeah, hold on. Here's a Gmail. I hope there's something like it. The number of times now I've done the crush experience or, you know, seen the walls change or the animation experience. Like, it's cool. It's awesome. And I want to go on the fantasy or the dream or the wonder or the magic and do that. But on this one, do something different. Like, it's what's funny the new- I was about to say that the exact opposite. I was like, as long as it's got animator's palette, I'm great. <laughs> I know. I love animator's palette too, Derek. Like, that is my favorite restaurant on, on the planet on any of the ships. Brian, let me ask you this counterpoint question about that. Like, I understand the, the need for different and I'm ready for different. Say it's somebody's first Disney cruise is going to be on the wish. Mm. Do you feel like Animator's Palette, any of the versions uh, that we have out there right now, is kind of a quintessential Disney cruise line experience, though? I think it will depend on what it's replaced with because because the new thing could become the, oh my God, this is becoming the quintessential experience because this is their opportunity really. I mean, Animator's Palette is cool, but you can get Crush in the, the Crush experience in the parks. I think this is a real opportunity for them. And I'm just I'm just really interested to see. I think we'll know more here in a couple of months or a few months, right? I do I do absolutely predict that given how they've retrofitted the ships in the past, we will see one of those like Tiana's place restaurants on board the way. Oh, absolutely. It's a Cinderella, I'm gonna guess. Some like well, Cinderella's gonna be your French restaurant. That's gonna be the one right off the atrium. I mean, it oh, already yep, is. Yep. You already have the bread bowls on, or on bread baskets on the Dream or Cinderella's carriage, right? It's not a stretch. That's what's going to be right well, there. Well, you could now do, but Beauty, the, but Beauty and the Beast also you could do because that's yeah, they yeah, or or it's, given given its popularity and lack of representation on a lot of the other ships outside the shows, should should we should we let it go or is Frozen coming? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I listen, mean, if they do anything princess themed, they've got to use Frozen because. Frozen is their biggest draw for those the families with little girls. That is, you know, that is a huge Although draw. Talk about a talk about a tough menu if a Norwegian restaurant yeah. iceberg salad. You just go ice theme. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to have Norwegian food. Just yeah. ice theme. Right? We don't overtly talk about icebergs on board ships. That's just not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Good call on that. Keep it keep it in the Caribbean, please. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one that I hope. I hope that they have a new not Aqua Duck or Aqua Dunk like a new slide system thing. I don't even know. I can't even comprehend it, but even something that draws me in over the other ships. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're going to have to redo that to some degree because if the pool deck is has any kind of different layout than what the current ones have, they have to do something at least slightly different, right? So, Well, with the Mardi Gras coming out with an actual roller coaster at sea, which, you know, Doug, I'm sure you're mm-hmm. lining up to get on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, need it. I need a roller coaster wall at sea. I need that. <laughs> Talk about motion sickness. <laughs> at least it goes out over the edge of the boat to help you out a little bit, Doug. Yeah, um, the depth perception <laughs> and everything, will, it will be great. Thank you for reminding me that 
exists. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think they have, they've got to do something to answer that a little bit, if not on this ship, then one of the ones coming out. So there will be a water slide. I think that's got to be a given. I, I suspect it will be something somewhat different. Uh, you know, I would love if they did some, Brian and I are big fans of Disney XD because our son watches it a ton. And so I would love if we saw some like big city greens or I'm blanking on the other one, Brian. Oh, Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls, right? Like, I mean, I know they won't because those IP, that IP is not the big draw that Mickey and, and a lot of the other characters are, but. You can put that in the clubs. I think that's a, a great addition to either one of the, the tween clubs. Yeah. I'd love to see them bring some of that IP into the parks, quite frankly, which leads me to a question for our Walt Disney World park experts in relation to the Wish. Anything that any new thing in the parks that you think they ought to bring on board the Wish? This isn't a new thing for me, but I am like going to keep beating the drum of I don't understand why we don't have magic bands on board these ships, especially now with all of the cruise lines implementing these tracking devices for you know contact tracing. Like it seems like a no brainer to put those things on board the ship. I don't know if they will because they've resisted it for so long. But so I think with the park pass reservation system, we're see more of that in the virtual queue for Rise of the Resistance. I think we'll be using the Cruise Line app to book more things rather than like booking online 90 days or depending on your Castaway Club level way out in advance. Some stuff you're going to start doing day of. Kind of like we do Rise of the Resistance, maybe. I don't understand why we don't wear magic bands already. However, the theme parks are starting to shift away from the free magic band. So it'll be interesting to see what it's like by the end of 2021. How many people are wearing magic bands? If it's going to be the average park guest or just the theme park enthusiasts, because you don't get them for free anymore with a reservation, because you can unlock the door with your app. Like that's what they're going towards. You're doing everything with your phone rather than your magic band. So maybe I open my door on the cruise ship with my phone, which let's be honest is a hundred percent the opposite of convenient because yeah, I got to, I got to get my phone out of my pocket, first of all. Then right. I have to open, open an app. The, app. Well, yep. the cruise ship is like the one place I, I'll leave my phone in. The, in I don't want it always on me. Mm -hmm. But it's your camera, Derek. That was the beauty of getting on board a cruise ship, you know, even 10 years ago, right? Well, Before that's we had all of this sort of. It was the card, right? You just got on and you had your card and it did everything. Except and for taking pictures, right? You have to have your phone because you're taking a million pictures uh, with the characters on the cruise line. But yeah, other than for me, I don't take out my phone except for, yeah, except for character photos. But yeah, I prefer the magic band. But, uh, you know, we use our phones at Disneyland, though. And I'm so I'm very used to that at Disneyland. I've been on a ship where I've laid in bed and I have opened the curtains with my phone. Mm. Right. <laughs> Like, yeah. I think that should be that should be doable. I'm not even asking for that. I feel like that should just happen. I should be able to turn on the lights in my cabin with my phone on this new ship. Mm -hmm. But we're in the days of Alexa. Can't we just go, hey, open? Well, I, lights, yes, like you that. say it to your phone, too. You, you, I'm not talking about pick up my phone. Good Lord, my hands have to be used. <laughs> but, but that's. That's where Disney World's going backwards. I think the way they were doing Magic Bands was financially un like they were mailing lots of boxes around the country, right? And so that didn't make sense. So to charge people seven to ten dollars for a Magic Band does not seem crazy. But it did I just buy two? Yes, I did. <laughs> 
We buy them as well. <laughs> you could have used old ones, right? But it will be I interesting. Man, I, I, they had a Baby Yoda, a Grogu one. I had to. I, I don't even care that it was $15. Yeah. So there you go. So they're going to buy them. That's, we'll see where it gets us by the end of 2021. This is like what you said between the casual park goer and the Disney enthusiast, though, right? Yes. That's, there's, that's yeah. the difference. That Derek just demonstrated the difference, right? He's going to buy that Magic Band. We're going to buy that Magic Band, you know, because... Because they're going to have different characters than what they had a year ago. And so, yeah. I may never part ways with my grumpy one. So there you go. <laughs> I would be super excited if I could be laying in bed in my stateroom and say, okay, Mickey, bring me a Mickey bar. And then like, you know, someone knocked on my door like 10 minutes And later. then Mickey brought you a Mickey <laughs> bar. That's genius. That's what they needed. More characters being able to bring stuff. I, there you go. Animatron. I, in fact, my, my thing is, I think you're seeing so many animatronics and things that they've done with Galaxy's Edge, and you're just going to start seeing more automation and more things. Uh, you know what? I'd love to see. I'm trying to think of the character in Navi River Journey. It's like freaking incredible. Or Kylo Ren. You can see any of those in the kids club areas of their favorite characters and just being interactive with them. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm on Disney Cruise Lines. If I said, OK, Mickey, bring me a Mickey bar, it'd be delivered to the room next door. So um <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's shift gears to the last segment of our show, which is uh, which is our rapid fire round. I'm going to do a little bit different this time. I'm I'm going to take the rapid fire because I've got some different kinds of questions. A few of them will be kind of our standard rapid fire uh, round questions. But if you ever want to hear what Derek and Doug's favorite Disney characters are, you can reach back into our catalog for their original episode with their uh, their rapid fire questions. But for this one, I've got a few different kinds of questions, and then I'm going to do a few. I'll call them yay or nay or either or kind of questions for Derek and Doug. So let's dive right in. Rules of rapid fire are there are no rules. But let me start with, what are you guys watching on Disney Plus right now? You guys have done a bunch of episodes on Mandalorian, but I'm curious, what else is in your queue on Disney Plus? What's uh, what's entertaining you you guys these days? Derek, why don't we start with you? You had The Mandalorian. That's that's my show. Right now, Disney Plus is playing Mickey Mouse Clubhouse somewhere in my house. And we're just going through all the Disney Junior stuff right now because I have a three-year-old who's obsessed. All right, Doug, what are the older kids watching? I was going to say, we, I have no idea what my kids are watching on Disney+. Plus, So that's what happens to parenting when they hit. I don't want to know. But <laughs> um, I watched all of the right stuff recently. Of course, The Mandalorian. And then um, Marvel Studios Legends came out this last Friday. And I was kind of excited. A new release. new, And then it was like basically six minutes worth of clips of a character. It was just a trailer. Basically, I was like, wow, that was the biggest disappointment ever because it they built it up and told me to watch it. And then I was like, oh, but next this next Friday, WandaVision's coming out two episode premiere, which makes me worry that the episodes are like 20 minutes. But I'm excited about WandaVision and then this the slate of Marvel films throughout this year to get us back to the fall for our next Star Wars show. Yeah, we're, we're curious to see all of these new Avengers things come out, all the new shows coming out. I'm curious what's going to happen to The Mandalorian in season three, but that's a topic for an entirely another podcast. That's a whole show. <laughs> Don't start now. Yeah. I got to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Favorite Disney souvenir, Doug? Oh, like a favorite souvenir that I have? Mm -hmm. I mean, as a kid, it was when I got the invisible dog leash. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. I remember those. Yeah, I totally remember that, that. I think it's still my favorite souvenir because it really bugged my sister that I got <laughs> that and she did not. Ah. Uh. 
I don't get many souvenirs. I'll buy a pin occasionally to commemorate like when we're at an opening or a certain holiday or a certain function. I really enjoy my pork mug that I got at Oga's that was like $700 with some <laughs> non-alcoholic drink in it because it's now my cup holder on my desk. So it's looking at me kind of with its death-like stare right now. Derek, what about you? Uh, my annual pass holder magnets are my favorite souvenirs because they're the most expensive souvenirs just by having an annual pass. No, no, no. Your Castaway Club magnet is your most expensive. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's true. You're right. Fair that, point. Fair point. That, that's a good. The from APs the parks, are pretty expensive too. Oh, yeah, you said from the parks. My bad. My bad. Yeah, but I mean, I got my uh, Grogu Baby Yoda mug right here, so I do have a plenty. Of, I pretty much always seem to get a Grogu thing, and I get a pin every time I'm down at the parks as well. I did get my wife a. Uh, we talked DVC earlier. A um, Riviera mug when I was with Doug in September for the welcome home gift back when I got home with my wife, and then it cracked on the very first day oh, I got. No. Like, she put coffee in it. So now it's used to hold pens on her desk and she loves looking at it. But I'm still bummed out that that souvenir broke as soon as we got it. That that was an expensive souvenir because we had to become DVC members. Right. <laughs> yeah. Most expensive backpack we've ever gotten. And I finagled two of them. So <laughs> there you go. Favorite Disney resort? Beach Club is usually number one. If I'm going just Beach Club, the rooms are great right there close to Epcot. Can also walk to Hollywood Studios. If we go to the pool, you got Stormalong Bay. Multiple food options. The only thing you can't like about the Beach Club is its counter service options. But mm-hmm. uh, that's being pretty nitpicky. That sucks. I, mine's the beach club. I love oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're staying there in June, Doug and I. So yes. uh, looking forward to that. But yeah, it, everything Doug said, it's just, it, I love the location and, and the theming and it's just, it's great. All right. We're going to shift over less from our favorites and more just some questions to get your opinions on here. Fast passes, bring them back or we don't need them anymore. Doug? Bring them back. Bring them back. I agree so much. I miss them. Along the same lines, virtual queues. More of them or they're just a pain? Derek? Uh, I think they're a pain, but I see more of them coming out. What about you, Doug? I don't think we'll see one until Tron or Guardians of the Galaxy. Ratatouille will be a mess for a little while, but I think it will go the way of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, where eventually it gets under control. The, the hard thing about the virtual queue, the way it is with Rise of the Resistance, is it's so hard to plan your day. You can be like, well, we have dinner at Epcot, but we don't know if we're going to be able to hop to Epcot until we know what our boarding group is. So it's that aspect of it for Disney World doesn't work, especially if it's full capacity, go, 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 everything's open. It's so hard to plan your day. Well, you mentioned Ratatouille and you mentioned Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which leads me to the question, trackless rides, do we need more of them or is this is this enough, I guess? What's your opinion on these trackless rides, Derek? I think they're here to stay. I, I think they definitely bring a new level of immersion into it, especially at like Rise of the Resistance. But my challenge is, is, is that some of the reason why it might go down? I know Ratatouille is a little bit less involved than Rise, but uh, I, I do think it does bring a new level into it. And I think they're really cool looking. I'm not going to lie. Instead of being able to look down and see, oh, I'm going to be turning right. Now you have no idea. What about you, Doug? I think they're definitely here to stay and going to be here going forward because it allows you to start with a large ride vehicle and then have it jumble the order. So like in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, say you go into lines one and two to start. You're in the very front of the train. When you pull back into the station at the end, then you would be the people getting on would be in lines five and six. 
right? So you end in a different spot than you start. So that's one of the great things that it it has that ability to where you're not just going to follow in one little line like Haunted Mansion. So it adds another element. And I don't think the trackless side of it is any of the breakdown issues that Rise is having. What about the move to push more IP into the parks? How are we feeling about that, Derek? I'm perfectly fine with it. I understand it. Having little kids, they want to see the characters that they see on TV. and, And it makes it easier to plan a trip with them. They didn't know who Figment was. I mean, now they do love that ride. I don't. But uh, it's a lot easier to be like, hey, we're going to go on the Frozen ride and see Anna and Elsa. Or we're going to do Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway when it's the the version of Mickey and Minnie that they love to watch on the on Disney. And so I like having IP into the park. And, and especially with them owning Star Wars and Marvel. Come on, mm-hmm. give me more. I wish Galaxy's Edge was three times bigger. And I wish Avengers Campus could somehow come to uh, Florida. Stupid universal thing. Uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> yes, give me give me all the IPs. Give me all the IPs that I like. There you go. <laughs> or else I'll be sending an angry email to them. So you're saying more frozen. I got it. <laughs> yep. Can't can't let that one go. <laughs> what about you, Doug? I'm definitely okay with it. I mean, it, they've been adding IPs since the dawn of the parks, right? That was almost Walt's purpose of the park. His purpose was to give families a place to be entertained together, right? And on top of that, he's like, well, let's sell some Davy Crockett hats, right? So that was Walt's vision. Like he, He's been doing it. So anybody that says, well, Walt wouldn't want that. Like, no, that's literally what he did. So I'm definitely okay with it. I do like that there are some unique properties, right? Like Everest doesn't have an IP and let's keep it that way. Imagination, Figment became his own IP. So it would be good every now and then see the Imagineers kind of challenge themselves to come up with a storyline. Cough, cough, mm-hmm. hint, redo Figment. Cough. <laughs> but I have no problem with the IPs, even putting in Epcot and Harmonious, just throw all the IPs at me. I don't care. I was fine with Frozen coming into Norway, even though it's Arendelle, which is a fictitious place in Norway. I mean, let's be honest. It's close enough, folks. But it made, I mean, I bet they are selling so much more goods and school bread because Frozen's there, Doug. Right. They're making right. money. The Frozen 3, I hear the plots mainly about how Anna and Elsa teach uh, some child how to make school bread. There you go. Right? (laughs) It goes both ways. (laughs) All right. One thing that has changed during this period when you've been visiting the parks that you hope that they will keep. I, I would love to see cavalcades forever. Like, I think cavalcades are the greatest thing that they brought during this time. And it, it's such a wonderful experience. And it, it's, I mean, I don't see the parades coming back anytime soon. No, so I hope I, they keep those. Ever, ever. They won't ever come back. They're done. No more parades, just cavalcades, which sometimes you get the people that like to say, look how many people are at Disney World. Like They take the picture down the, you know, right down the side of Main Street to where you lose the depth perception. So, But the crowd comes together for about two minutes and then disperses. A parade, you sit there and hold your spot for a half hour and then you have a half hour worth of parade. And then by the time you're done with the parade, the kids are like ready to go back to the room, right? A cavalcade is like, oh, hey, look, look at that. Everybody wave. And then that's it. 
And then like 10 minutes later, you're like, everyone wave a new character. (laughs) All right. Last one. The Skyliner. Kind of a little controversy when it first opened. I think people are warming up to it. But what do you think? Expand it? Or as good as it is. Oh, no. Expand that thing to Animal Kingdom yesterday. I love the Skyliner. And I think, yeah, really, if they could somehow figure out how to, and I'm sure they have plans to get Animal Kingdom in there, it's going to become the main style of transportation. I mean, one of the reasons why we bought at Riviera is because my wife is so obsessed with the Skyliner and they have a spot right there that you can jump on. So it's huge and it's kind of an attraction that you get to do before you even get into the park. Absolutely. I totally agree with you, Derek. I also want to say that one of my favorite Disney souvenirs is a Skyliner popcorn bucket. It's just really cool. And it sort of is, demonstrates my love for all things Skyliner. <laughs> there's, there's a false bottom under it, Sam. I don't know if you realize, but if you open it up, there's a notepad and a baggie in there in case the popcorn <laughs> bucket gets stuck in some way. So a little thing of water. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when the Skyliner broke down on day three, that one kind of made me a little iffy on it. But I'm glad it's had no problem since knock on something in here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hollow. Doug, what's your what's your opinion? Expand the Skyliner? Yeah, I've been on Team Skyliner since it was announced, and I, I was always entertained by the people worried that it didn't have air conditioning. I'm like, um, when it's moving, it's you got the breeze. I could see a hub coming to Coronado, just like we have at Caribbean. Put a hub at Coronado. Another line goes to Animal Kingdom, Animal Kingdom Lodge, and then a line from the All Stars over to Coronado. Thinking you have one station in the middle of all the All Stars, that would be fantastic. I know that a lot of people want it to go to Disney Springs, but I could also see the hesitation of taking it to Disney Springs because they already have a problem with people parking at Disney Springs and trying to get on a bus to the parks to avoid paying for parking. So I think we'll see the Animal Kingdom Coronado All-Stars route before we see a Disney Springs route, unless there's a way they could position it to where you can't, I don't know how they would keep people from cheating on the parking. Well, Derek, Doug, as always, it's been great having you on the show. Do you want to let our listeners know where they can find Rope Drop Radio? Because if they aren't already listening, they should be. It's a great show. So you want to let folks know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Rope Drop Radio and you can find us on social media at Rope Drop Radio on all the things. And we do have a website, www.ropedroppers.com. And we love being on your show. So thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. And and I will also plug, you guys have some great Rope Drop themed merchandise over at Tee Public. I think it is, because I've got a couple of your shirts and I love wearing and them. thank you so much for wearing them. That, that, that means so much to me when I see anyone wear a shirt and like tag us in a, in, on Twitter. Well, thanks again, guys, for coming on. It's been a blast. Thank you. It's always great to catch up with Derek and Doug from Rope Drop Radio. Honestly, one of my favorite Disney podcasts out there. Love those two guys and their dynamic. And they always have such interesting takes on things and good insights into how to maximize your time at the park. Hence their name, Rope Drop Radio. Make sure you get it all in and all done on time, right? So love those guys. Be sure to head over, subscribe, check them out. Uh, as we said on the show, they got some great merchandise over at Tee Public, And don't forget about our great merchandise over in our store over at DCLduo.com with all proceeds going to charity for any sales we make out of our store got some fun merch over there so go check it out with that a listener did alert me that there are other platforms that allow for reviews and so pointed me in the direction of Castbox. and so wanted to read a review that we had from Castbox uh, since we haven't had any new five-star reviews over at itunes lately or apple podcasts i should say over at Castbox, though they say great podcast lots of great info and so inspiring i can honestly say i'm now officially jazzed to start planning my next cruise well thank you so much for the user who left that comment leave those comments 
notes, especially over at Apple Podcasts, because they help our show surface in search results. So please, please, please leave those reviews if you wouldn't mind. As always, thanks to each and every one of you out there listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. Or you can join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group to join conversations with like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like you. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.